Welcome to another episode of the Getting Things Done podcast from the GTD Nordic. I'm Morten Rövik and I'm here with my friend and colleague Lars Rotskill Henriksen. Hi Lars. Hi Morten. Happy to be back again to be doing another episode of our podcast. So for those of you new to this, our goal is really to help you learn or become better GTDers out there so you can become more productive and less stressed both in your work and your life. Good. And today's episode is a little different. Today we, we have an interview. You've done a, an interview with a guy called Emil Sunusen. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So I've um, really been looking forward to this episode. Uh, Emil uh, knows a lot of uh, cool stuff and, and, and this will surely be of interest for all of you GCDers uh, out there. So, so he's joining us on uh, this podcast today and he teaches creativity techniques and methods to people who want to become yeah, more creative in their professional life and he facilitates product development workshops for, for different organizations. So today we will hear some of uh, his thoughts on how we can become more creative and we'll talk about how we can use that as GTDers, uh, for example, in the natural planning model. Good, good. I'm really looking forward to hearing this interview and I hope that it will bring value to you as the listener and um, we'll uh, join you after the interview. And now our special guest. As GTDers, we use our brains a lot to capture ideas, both the random ones that it discovers on its own, um, and also the ones where we try to direct our creativity towards a topic in particular, for example, when you are using the natural planning model. But what actually happens behind the scenes, so to speak? That's where our guest this week comes in. Welcome to you, Emil. Thank you so much. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself? What's your background? Yeah, so my background is uh, I've worked as a TV journalist. Uh, first, I went to the journalism school here in Denmark. Um, and then I worked for approximately three years as a TV journalist. Uh, and I was involved with a lot of uh, kind of creating new uh, content and also creating new formats like programs uh, for television. And then later on, uh, and I just finished my master's in uh, a master's in digital innovation and management. So a way to kind of structure creativity and use um, use science to improve both our own personal uh, approach to idea ideation and idea generation and working with ideas, but also as an organization, how do we come better uh, at at developing ideas that we can use. And we can, and that can improve our lives somehow, or our organization, or in a commercial setting, it could be the profit of the company. So that's kind of the the short introduction to to what's relevant here, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. So, could you maybe tell us a bit about what actually happens when we get an idea? Yeah. So, what happens when we get ideas? Um, it it obviously depends on the perspective you're looking from. But if you look from the perspective of the brain, so uh, the perspective of neuro cells that, that connects, uh, that's kind of where it all is initiated. And what happens in the brain when, when we get an idea, so we have this uh, burst of insight, you know, you, you, you're cycling to work or you're taking a shower and suddenly you think, oh, I could do this. This is how I will solve my problem or mm -hmm. I will paint the bathroom pink. Uh, <laughs> all, all that is... Um, is the connection of concepts in the brain. 
So the brain is organized as an, if we think in terms of a network of concepts. So we have a different, a, for instance, a, a bike. Let's take that as an example. That's a concept that exists in our brain. It's then linked to other concepts, for instance, transportation. And it's also linked to, a, let's say, a bike. It's also linked to exercise. And so what happens when we get an idea is it takes a family of concepts or a specific concept and then it uh, it takes another concept as well and link the two in a way that we are not we haven't seen before um, so that's kind of the basic fundamental way to understand uh, understand an idea from a neurological standpoint cool that that certainly makes sense So uh, that's that's of course uh, ideas in general. How do we then work on getting good ideas? Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of uh, kind of very again very different approaches to this. But I think what's uh, what most people miss out on is uh, something explained with what's called the productivity theory. So being productive that sounds like something for us. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> Uh, and it, it, it and it actually kind of supports a lot of the thoughts in GTD uh, because what what the productivity is all about is we, we need to get a lot of ideas in order to have this one good idea that will actually do something for us. And so I think many people, or at least my own approach before I started studying all this, uh, was to find one idea and then I would polish it and I'll make it better and I'll make sure it was amazing and perfect and well-developed and so on. And more often than not, that idea died for some reason that maybe could have been foreseen or maybe uh, couldn't. But the thing is, I had no fallback. So I didn't have a, a, an idea to fall back to. And what productivity theory helps us is create a pool of ideas. So let's say you need one idea for a color to paint your bathroom. The first one you get in the shower is, I want to do it pink. But let's try to consider other colors as well. Oh, it could also be yellow. It could also be white. It could also be uh, black or whatever. And then now we have a, a series of options to paint our bathroom, which is a horrible example I'm realizing right now. <laughs> but let's just let's just stick with it anyway. So we have a lot of, of colors we can paint our bathroom. And now what we do then is to pick the one we, we see potential is and try to nurture it a bit. And kind of get it get it a bit further and see. Okay, does it work? What if we paint it yellow? Let's start with getting some colors in the bathroom and kind of check: Would this look nice or would it not? Um, so it's actually you could say it's the opposite of what many people at least think when it has to do with creative work. Being creative is not about taking one task and then uh, or taking a, taking one idea and then making it amazing. It's much, much more about making a lot of ideas and then selecting the few ones that have potential. And obviously it would seem like a big waste to produce a lot of ideas you're not using, but science is quite clear and from very many different perspectives that to have one good idea, we need to get a lot of ideas and then just select the good ones. Very cool. And that, that also uh, aligns well, I think, with our approach in the natural planning model, where we really try to brainstorm everything and not try to limit ourselves to any specific structure or anything like that, but really just let yourself have all those ideas and we can then develop them one by one. I think that uh, that relates very well to, to what you're saying. 
Um, another thing we spoke about just before we started the recording was this way your uh, subconscious works on your ideas, and 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 I can um, I had this experience uh, this summer actually, where every six months I do a larger review and really try to to spend some time alone and, and thinking through the the plans and and higher horizons in GTD. Um, and I split it across two days this year. That was something new for me. Uh, so I did day one. And um, when I woke up the next morning after having thought all these, uh, you know, bigger plans, um, there was, you know, a, f- a full A4 size page of ideas that came out the, the minute I woke up. So clearly something had happened uh, during that uh, that night uh, based on my, my thoughts the previous, uh, previous day. Um, can you tell us a bit about how your subconscious works on these uh, ideas and thoughts? Definitely. And I, for me, this is one of the very kind of intriguing and interesting things because it's a mystery. Like what happens when I'm not mm. noticing what my brain does for me for free without me actively doing anything. And so the interesting thing is when you wake up that morning, what has happened is um, three things. Uh, one thing is that uh, your subconscious kind of erases uh, what's called fixation paths. So what happens if you remember the kind of network I explained about that uh, the brain is organized as a network of concepts, the way when we try to get ideas or try to work on a problem, what happens is that our brain will, will slowly activate a bigger and bigger network. So if you see it in terms of rings, it'll start in the middle with whatever you're working on and then it'll kind of see, okay, what's right around what I'm working on right now that I can use to solve this problem. And then it's, doesn't really find anything so it'll it'll look one ring out again and one ring out again and it takes a certain path uh, to do this and then at some point you don't get any more ideas like i know i think we all know this feeling of being kind of stuck like we really at a brainstorm Mm -hmm. meeting for ourselves we're trying to get a new idea but we nothing comes out what has happened is that our brain subconsciously have reached the end of that solution path. Like it makes no more sense to go in this direction, but we are trying actively to force it to do so. What happens then when we let go of this, when we stop working on it, and when or when we sleep, as you did, uh, is that it'll erase this path and forget all about it. And then when you wake up, it'll try a new path. And immediately when you wake up, it, it, it's a good, it's a much better path. You fill your A4 sheet of paper with ideas because now you can charge a new path instead of being stuck in the one you were before. So it's, that's the first thing. It's selectively forgetting. There are two more things it does. What it also does is it allows time for this spreading activation. So if you remember these rings, you start in the middle and then it kind of moves out in the network of concepts. This, this, when you do, uh, when you are working on a problem, it'll do this in the background. And, and uh, the idea with spreading activation is that you allow time for this to happen subconsciously. And now this works better if you do not work on the problem, which is a bit ironic. So the way it works is you'll start working on a problem. You'll then at some point let it go. Like you split your task uh, into two days instead of just working all at once. Now, in between these two days, what happens is that the spreading activation is still going on. So the brain is still kind of looking for ideas in different directions and activating different concepts. And then when you start working on the task again, all these concepts are already linked for you. 
So when when you kind of start the task again, you will immediately activate all these concepts. So that's the second thing. You allow time for spreading activation. Now, the, the third thing, and that's a bit more intuitive and, and easy to understand, I guess, is that you just get rest. So uh, when you do uh, work on a problem or, uh, or generate ideas or work creatively, that is very costly for the brain. It costs a lot of sugar and it's uh, very, you could say, expensive in a way. And obviously, just like your muscles get tired from working out, also your brain gets tired from thinking. So when you stop doing the task, the subconscious kind of helps the brain regenerate so it becomes ready. So it relaxes the areas that were for, that before was exhausted. It relaxes, regenerates, and are then again ready to tackle the problem. And obviously, you see the effect uh, when you split your task into two. Uh, and and actually, you can use this strategically to to become better at working creatively by uh, being conscious about when you reach this fixation path, when you can't have any more ideas, then stop trying, because your subconscious will help you uh, kind of erase the wrong path and set you in a better direction. So split your split your jobs as not not by random uh, and not all the time. Uh, because obviously that's a, a point you have in GTD as well, that you should focus on what you're focusing on. But when you can't do any more, then just be uh, be calm in leaving it alone and know that what happens is that your subconscious is still working on that problem and helps you solve it later on. Mm, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And again, uh, productivity takes uh, many forms. You can can be productive at work, and also you need to to take breaks. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that. Even in your example, that uh, that fits perfectly. Um, so, how do we generate ideas when we also take into consideration that we have this very limited working memory? So, we know from from various studies, whether you look back in time to to the 50s where they said seven things plus or minus two and now more recent studies maybe suggest that we have a capacity of four things uh, that we can keep in our minds how do we how do we work with that uh, limitation yeah and it's it's uh, i'm curious about whether in 50 years more they'll say no you can only really remember one thing and how <laughs> short is our memory going to be when we try to really find out um but obviously this is a problem when you work creatively so again, the, the kind of foundation for ideas are concepts in the brain. And when you, uh, when you get ideas, you need these concepts to be activated. And that's very difficult if you need to kind of solve a complex problem or you need a, a big idea that's a big bigger than the bathroom example I gave uh, early on. But let's say that you uh, work in a company and you are project manager and you need to find a new direction for your project because your resources are starting to get scarce. That's a complex, difficult problem to solve. It, there's a lot of variables and variables kind of means concepts from the perspective of the brain. So what you need to do there, I think, or, and, and at least from my experience, is to do what designers does really well. So what a designer do, uh, at least from, from, from the perspective of some design thinking uh, authors, is to, to, get, um, to visualize your process, visualize everything that you need to solve this problem and to understand it and to solve it. So instead, for instance, of uh, trying to discuss with, uh, with your colleague 
uh, what to do about it, or maybe you are a team discussing how, what to do about something, then draw it up instead. Draw it on a whiteboard. Don't care about how beautiful the drawing is, but by drawing it, you are able to handle more concepts uh, because you suddenly, instead of uh, working with the idea in a, in a kind of cognitive sense where we can only have four things uh, at a time, you work with it in a visual sense where you can have much more information, uh, handle much more information all at once. So think when you, when you walk around the town, uh, you, you're able to see much, much more than four things at once. You, you see there are bikes and cars and trees and buildings and the pavement and you can even see individual people and their clothing and so on. And so this visual way of thinking, this visual way of approaching ideas, I think it's much, much better way to do it than doing it purely cognitive, for instance, in a discussion. So as much as possible, visualize and get it up on the wall, get a kind of inspiration up on the wall and so on. That's it's a it's a much easier way to get ideas and work creatively. Yeah, and I've actually come across that myself with actually a, a very complex idea that I naturally started to to draw it uh, instead, and I can certainly recognize what you're what you're thinking. Um, and again, it comes also back to getting stuff out of your head. So yeah, that's definitely again, very, very much aligned with GTD. Definitely, and and I think it's a it's a good po- it's a good point that I think many people are doing this already. Um, but being a bit more strategic about it, we can we can actually we can actively choose. Okay, we're now just having a discussion. Let's get up and let's get go to a whiteboard and try to draw it out. It'll be much mm. much easier. So so I definitely think you know that GTD is very good at kind of expressing that as well. That the mind is not for keeping stuff in; it's for having ideas. Uh, mm. And I think you know making them visual is is getting it out of the head. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. So uh, how do we become more creative? Because that's certainly one approach to GCD or one reason why people would approach GCD. Uh, it's yeah, two days ago, actually, I worked with a, a, a major advertising agency here in, in Denmark. And one of the, the effects that I hope they will see from GCD is, is to become more creative. Um, from your perspective, how would we become more creative? I think one thing is uh, following a lot of the GTD principles helps a lot because it takes out a lot of the stress in everyday life. This creates a kind of a safety, which is important when you want to have new ideas. You need to feel safe and kind of calm. Um, but I think in, a, in another, a bit more maybe abstract sense, you can be more creative by a by approaching creativity and the, the the fact of having ideas similar to how many GTDs are approaching productivity, uh, very professional and methodological. So you look for stuff to do, uh, so checklist that will help you give, get an overview of the task you need. Similarly, uh, or similarly structured approach uh, creativity. So there are um, different models, there are different techniques, different uh, ways of thinking about having an idea. And I think uh, that kind of mindset change, I think is the most important thing because I can give you techniques and I can give you models and so on, and they might work for some and they might not work for others. So so instead, I really encourage people to uh, to look for inspiration and then think about creativity and having ideas. Similarly, as we approach any other professional problem as a thing that can be trained and that we can apply methods to and that we can think about structured. I think that's the that's kind of 
uh, it, it's too abstract to help you uh, like uh, solving the next creativity task, but it will kind of help you for the coming years if you have that mindset change. That makes total sense. And I'm trying now really to think there was one, was it a writer or one of the uh, very famous inventors who said that they don't, they don't wait for inspiration. They, they sit down and, and, and start to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. That's what, that's what professionals uh, do. Yeah, I heard it, I heard it from a designer that says, uh, yeah. idiots wait for inspiration. The rest of us just go to work. And that's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a perfect quote. And it helps me a lot to think, okay, I might not have an idea right now, but I have to start drawing. So I might as well draw a, a triangle and then see where I go from there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Last question on my list for you, Emil. Um, you mentioned uh, to me as well that you had some tips for brainstorming, for example, in meetings. And I know uh, GTDers out there listening to this might make use of this uh, when they um, apply the natural planning model to, uh, yeah, to where, where they involve teams from, from multiple backgrounds, for example. So, so how do we actually uh, brainstorm together, I guess would be my question. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's a perfect kind of uh, example of a creativity exercise that works amazingly if you use it right and so many people are not i have been in so many uh, brainstorming sessions that were not facilitated uh, in a proper way and so it just led to frustration and people kind of not participating and um, a lot of you know kind of uh, shooting out an idea and then it immediately the bazooka effect hits in so it gets you know knocked out of the air Uh, with a missile of someone saying that cannot be done or we have tried that before. And I think there are a few tips, a few low hanging fruits when doing brainstorms that are very easy to kind of um, to kind of use. And one is to start every brainstorm session with doing a brain writing session. So just take two minutes, each participants, uh, two minutes to write out everything you you can think of that could solve this problem you're working on or uh, if it's a new tv program as where i'm from write out all the ideas you have for new tv programs for whatever the brainstorm meeting is about right so uh, what this does is if you if we remember back at the whole uh, ideas come from concepts in the brain and spreading activation is kind of activating different concepts we kickstart this process for ourselves so instead of all you know kind of trying to attune to each other and uh, being very social you you start the process of of activating these ideas so immediately when you start the brainstorm session you might have between five and ten things that you can immediately pitch up pitch up with and kickstart this process of brainstorming uh, what it also does is people will usually start like approach this Uh, this problem from different angles, especially if you involve people with different backgrounds. And now by starting with a brainwriting session, you will allow people to unfold this angle first, instead of immediately being kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of want to, um, to be cooperative. And if someone starts off in one direction, you'll quickly get into groupthink. So you'll quickly start to try to think like the others. And what this does is ground you in your ideas so that they are also part of this pool of ideas that we are trying to make. So that's the kind of the first tip. Start with brainwriting, not brainstorming. Two minutes, every participant write as many ideas as they can in two minutes. It's very easy to kind of implement immediately. 
Another thing I would say is, is also a low hanging fruit is avoid big groups. So science is a, a, a bit less clear on the exact perfect number for participants, but it is quite clear on the kind of social dynamics we can look for. So one is that in big groups, uh, we'll, have, um, we'll have what's called uh, free riding. So a person might have had a, a difficult day or they might be tired or so on. Um, and what they will do is kind of lean, lean a bit back and, and let the rest of the group like kind of say they will handle it. This is good people. They'll definitely get smart ideas. And then you get less productive because you, all of a sudden you have a person just sitting there. And if a person just sitting there, that kind of affects the rest of the group as well. So they will also lower their productivity. Uh, so you, you will, in total, by having a big group, you will not just lose the opportunity of uh, having every people's idea heard. You'll also have a lower productivity of everyone uh, participating. So if, for instance, if you are eight people and you want to work on a problem together, instead of working all eight, then divide it into two times four. And then let each group develop a lot of ideas and then pick the maybe three or five best. And then at a, at a later session, kind of uh, combine these ideas. So that's kind of two maybe uh, things that at least I have experienced went wrong and that are easy to implement. It is to uh, start out by two minutes brainwriting and then uh, split up big groups so you work in smaller teams. Great, great tips. Um... Thank you so much, Emil, for sharing your knowledge about these topics. Uh, very interesting stuff, uh, both from uh, you know just knowing about this, but also practical applications for for GTDers out there. That's uh, that's great. Definitely, it's been a if, pleasure. If uh, people, if people want to connect with you, how can they how can they find you? So uh, the easiest way I think is LinkedIn. That's a uh, for me, it's a bit of a new social platform, but it's a really good place to kind of be. Uh, be very uh, engaged with with professional stuff, and so LinkedIn is probably the best. Otherwise, I have you can reach me on email. Uh, it's uh, emil.sunesen at gmail.com. So either email or LinkedIn, yeah. Great. We will link to those in the um, show notes. Thank you so much for participating, Emil. Thank you so much. So that was the thoughts from uh, Emil uh, and how we can use that at GCDers. I really hope that this adds value. I know for me, uh, as you could also hear in the interview, that this certainly opened up some new thoughts and ideas about how to use GCD and how to tweak some of my creativity and how to use this with with other people um, a lot of good ideas and and stuff to to bring forward to hopefully your next meetings or however you however you apply your GCD practices. Yes, really good. And I'm, I'm happy to tell you listeners that we will continue having guests interviews about GTD and how they use it in their everyday life and creative life. So please continue listening to us. And um, will you take us out? With the outro, Lars. Yes, as usual. If you want to learn more about GTD in the Nordics, that's gtdnordic.com. You'll find links to all of the different country websites, different Facebook groups where GCDers from the different countries uh, discuss uh, the methodology, their tools, practices, techniques, um, and also on other platforms, all of our articles, newsletter, seminars, etc. You find it all there, gtdnordic.com. And um, as mentioned, as usual, uh, if you find these episodes valuable, we really appreciate if you share it with a colleague or rate us on iTunes. It really helps uh, more people become aware of this podcast. 
Well, thank you for listening and uh, until next time, have a productive life, have a great day and have great weeks. See ya. Bye everyone. Bye bye.